Alrighty, what is going on my friends? Welcome back to another episode of Midwest Underdog. How are you guys doing? So, I got a lot to talk about today, but first off, we're going to cover um, a little bit of news just because like, you can't avoid it today. Uh, I woke up, like I'm assuming most of you did today, and you know, after you get all... You get all sorted out, you get your coffee and all that, you check the social media apps, and what's the first thing that pops up today? Trump and his wife both have COVID-19, and there's a couple things to break down about that, about why that's pretty crazy. The first off, that I this was my first immediate reaction, was like, how is that really even possible? Because somebody as powerful and protected as the president of the United States we all know, like I watched the debate, which we're going to get into the, the uh, debate here in a little bit, but we watched the debate and Trump said that everybody there is tested, which naturally everybody's going to be tested. Everybody in the White House, I would assume, is tested probably on like a daily or, you know, maybe even more than daily basis. So, and like, I can't imagine he's just going out to restaurants and stuff like that. He's not going out in public, right? You're not going to see Trump in line at Target. So it's like, strange how he got the virus i mean i know we it's airborne or whatever the hell i don't know the specific classification but like supposedly it can be you know transmuted through the air pretty or transmitted through the air pretty easily so i mean obviously he's on the planet like us so it's it's possible but i just thought it was a little strange because it's like man this dude is around people who are tested 24 7 so like he shouldn't really in theory because he ain't going shopping and going out in public he shouldn't really be in proximity to anybody who has the virus but then, you know, obviously there's so many variables, like let's say I got tested and then I was next to Trump a half hour later, but in that half hour window, I could have gotten the virus after my test. So it's crazy, but damn, dude, what a crazy thing to wake up to because, uh, you know what, we're just getting to the debate now because I was just about to say the weird thing is obviously, you know, there's this was the first debate two nights ago, was it two nights ago that they had their very first one and they're supposed to do, I think I read they're supposed to do two more. But that ain't going to happen now, obviously, because he just tested for the virus. And the thing is, he was just close to Joe Biden, not, what, 48 hours ago. And it takes, what, an incubation period, they say, like two to three days before you start developing the symptoms and all that. And so it's like, whew, he could have given it to Biden. He could have, like, the debates are most likely, I feel like, are going to get canceled unless they do them, uh, like, on online, like a fucking zoom zoom debate i don't think that's gonna happen but and then all the rallies i don't know what you know i don't keep up with this shit too often but i was just starting to think about it as i read the news this morning it's like man all the rallies they have planned coming up in the next weeks i'm sure those are all gonna be canceled you can't go out in public uh the debates might be canceled so it's gonna be a lot of mayhem probably until what they say the elections in like 32 days from now so oh my god is it probably gonna heat up for this last 32 uh days Something very interesting, though, that I read about um, about Trump getting the virus is right before he announced it, I, I had went to bed. I don't know if this was at, late at night when this happened, or maybe I just wasn't on my phone, but uh, I guess they mentioned that he did some sort of press briefing or something to let people know. I don't, I guess not a press briefing, but because you got the virus, but he did something to let everybody know, and... Um, and there was an article underneath like his, uh, maybe it was his tweet or something. And it was 
and it was called Doomsday Planes. And I clicked it, and supposedly, somebody may fact check me on this, but supposedly he has a plane, every president has this plane called an E-4 or something. It's like a Boeing, like weaponized Boeing, but it doesn't have missiles and stuff on it. It's like a hub uh, that flies over the president, and in case of any nuclear attack, he would be able to uh, operate like a counterattack for ballistic missiles and all kinds of those things that require the president's like decision making ability uh in wartime they had that plane so that plane supposedly in in times where we were to get attacked or something he's got this plane and you know he's supposed to be able to evac to it and you know operate whatever's going on from the sky and that freaking plane uh was spotted flying over the east coast and the west coast i think the day um only moments before, uh, maybe an hour or two before his announcement about COVID. So I don't know what that means. I don't know anything about that. I didn't even know that existed. Uh, but my first thought is that maybe that's just a routine thing that happens often. But I don't know if it's normal to have your doomsday plane flying over your head as you tell the world that, you know, you've got this uh, possibly life-changing virus. You know, he's 74 and and... I don't know. I just don't know, man. 74, that's pretty fucking old to get even the cold or the flu, let alone this new uh, bubonic plague-ass virus. So that was freaking crazy, the doomsday plane. Y'all should look that up because I'm super curious what that looks like and, like, what is on that thing. Like I said, they mentioned that it doesn't have, like, fucking machine guns on the outside. It doesn't have missiles or anything like that. It's just a control center. So pretty fucking weird that they had that flying over uh, the country yesterday, unless they do it all the time. But they made it sound like in this article that this is not something that happens often. So uh, we got the doomsday planes over. We got the president with the virus and then the freaking debates. I'm not going to cover the debates long because they were just malarkey dude they were nonsense complete nonsense and like i've mentioned on the podcast several times i don't talk politics much just never have i don't feel like i have a dog in the fight like there's too much lying on both sides for me to really sit there and say i believe what this person says or i believe what this guy says i don't trust what no one says in in an environment like this to be honest with you so that's kind of my stance on politics in general and uh I did tune into the debate because I thought it was going to be some drama, and it didn't let us down on the drama, did it? It was very dramatic. I don't think we learned anything about anything regarding policies or (laughs) just the future of the country, anything. We just got to see two fucking 70-year-olds battle it out. Just put boxing gloves on them. That's what I think. Next one, next debate they do, just put boxing gloves on them, have them fight. That's the best way to solve this because them talking, the war of uh, words is just... I mean, both of them interrupting each other. Dude, it was so embarrassing. It's like these guys are running for the highest office, debatably the most powerful person in the planet, and they can't stop interrupting each other and raising their voices like they haven't mastered conversation yet, and they're going to rule the world and have the codes to the nukes. I don't know, man. Recipe for a disaster, in my opinion. But that debate was wild, and if they do another one, not sure I'm going to be watching it because there was just not only was nothing gained on either side in my opinion but like a lot of ground lost probably in like the trust of the public because everybody watched that and like I feel like everyone had pretty much the same reaction of just like shit that is embarrassing that this is what we're dealing with here like most powerful country in the world and we're having like a temper tantrum on live tv like fucked up man so we got doomsday planes we got COVID-19 in the white house and we've got very shitty debates i'm finally finally back in the gym 
But here's the thing. So I've been going to Planet Fitness for about the uh, past uh, week and a half or so. And first off, I got to say I've been loving it. I've 100% been loving it because y'all know, I think I've mentioned this since the virus, I got out of the gym because, you know, it didn't feel like it was going to stay open. Even when they did reopen with like the masks and they were trying to figure it out, I was like, I'm not taking no chances with, uh, you know, having to sign up for a gym pass somewhere and then it closes down again. That really fucking threw me off because I was dependent upon that place in the sense of like i went there five six times a week and you stopped being able to do that and it's like well fuck and so i got the weights did that whole shebang i think i told you guys that um probably lost some muscle mass and stuff it's hard for a body type like mine to like maintain size and strength and things like that if you can't progress in weights and uh i have like the bare minimum necessity in my basement uh, as far as weights go like dumbbells and stuff but i can't progress so for the past couple months i've just been trying 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 to like just maintain and just keep in good shape and you know been doing my jump rope and doing as much as i can in my basement but I felt like about a week ago, I decided it's been enough time, I feel like, at this point that we got to just do life, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, fuck it, man. The gyms are open. I'm over here lifting my little weights in my basement while these gyms have been open for like a month. So I caved. I really caved. And I went back to Planet Fitness. And uh, the funniest thing ever, dude, I'm not hating on Planet Fitness. If any of you go to this gym, I'm not hating on it. I've actually grown to like it. Uh, the one that I go to now, I like, I used to go to one by my house and I did not fuck with that one at all. But this one that I go to now, I do like it, but it's really fucking hilarious because I'm not hating or nothing like that. But like the, the way that they've kind of structured their business plan is like, it's the judgment free zone, right? So like, uh, the, and then the lunk alarm and they have all these things kind of designed around making people who probably wouldn't be comfortable going to a normal gym, uh, trying to get them comfortable with going into a gym. So it's very progressive in the sense of like, it's very, it's almost like a safe place for the gym, if that makes sense, a safe spot for the gym where it's just like, I don't know, I don't know what, they create their own little bubble and, you know, some people don't like it, some people make fun of it, some people get a lot of benefit out of it and do feel judged uh, at, you know, gyms, maybe more serious lifting gyms and so they go into Planet Fitness and feel like everyone's kind of on their level, on their vibe and, uh, there's benefits to that so i'm not hating but i think it's fucking funny the enigma that we're in the weirdest situation because nobody in fucking playing fitness 19 at least the one that i go into nobody's wearing a fucking mask and it's funny to me because this is like the judgment-free progressive zone very just very nice and orderly and yet here because money's involved right because the thing is i'm assuming they tried to get everybody to wear the masks the first day or two of you know, returning to the gyms when they reopened. But where it comes to money, it's almost like the politics and all that shit, it, it all just stops where the money is because Planet Fitness must have fucking realized like nobody's going to come into our gym and go on our cardio machines and do all these things, lift weights and be breathing heavy and sweating with a mask on. And so we have to have a no mask policy. I don't think they want to. I know I think they want to adhere to the guidelines, which is responsible, but they ain't doing it. You don't have to wear a mask. Um, and it's just funny to me because it's like this little utopia bubble. Everywhere else in the world, you got to wear masks unless you're at a restaurant because again, money. It's like they don't want to fuck up their money too bad is how I feel. So where it gets too serious, they're like, fuck, we would lose our entire market. Ain't nobody going to come to a restaurant with a mask on their face. We have to let them. So even though the gu guidelines are wearing masks, even though the social distancing, even though, though all that shit, money is what talks, right? Money runs everything. And so this business wouldn't stay afloat without it. So 
I walk in there first time with my mask on. Ain't nobody got a fucking mask on. And I just find that to be comical because it's like this little utopia where they're also very progressive and, you know, it's a judgment-free zone, but then they're disobeying the shit out of the guidelines and just it's a free-for-all in there. So I love it, man. Uh, it's like a Wild West in Planet Fitness. So 2020 Planet Fitness is like a whole new ball game. I got a question for you guys. Is Halloween happening or is it not happening? Because I'm hearing both. I'm not doing, I'm not, I haven't looked it up, honestly, so this is just hearsay, but, you know, you see everybody complaining, like, no Halloween, how could you cancel Halloween, it's ironically a holiday built around <laughs> wearing masks, like, the whole concept <laughs> is wear a mask, so, right off the bat, that shit is funny to me, and very comical, but I don't know, because I'm hearing both sides, I'm hearing that it's, they are doing it, and then I see, like, this rebellious cul-de-sac suburban squad that they're, like, we're going to have a meetup with candy for the kids to protest the Halloween cancellation. So they're fucking going to do trick or treat. And I thought that was funny. That was pretty clever. But I don't know if it's happening, not happening. And even in Ohio, I feel like Ohio is confused because half the haunted houses, actually, I would say more like three fourths of them seem to be closed this year. Uh, but there's still quite a few of them. Like uh, any of you guys that live here around Ohio, you'll know Land of Illusion. That one's open. Uh, the Kings Island Haunted Park is not, which is a bummer because that's kind of like the biggest one around here, right? Like they have kind of sucks because like Dent Schoolhouse and some of their smaller ones, I think Dent Schoolhouse is actually open, but some of the smaller ones, it's like you pay 20, 30 bucks to wait in line at one physical location, one haunted house, and then you literally do that one haunted house and you're out of there. So, and that you, you specifically go to that one, you drive to that one haunted house, whereas the theme parks like Cedar Point and Kings Island, uh, it's like you pay 50 bucks or whatever, and then you have the whole fucking park. You got like 10 haunted houses and roller coasters and all that shit. So I don't know what they're going to do because the big cool ones have closed, excluding Land of Illusion. I think they're open, but Kings Island's closed uh, for for Halloween, and I know we have like USS Nightmare, which I've never been on. It's one on the river. I think it's on the Kentucky side. Not positive. Never been to it, but I think I may be going to these like smaller, shittier ones this year because I love the Halloween vibe, but um, there's nowhere to go to do it except like these smaller haunted houses now. So, And there's even a really, really good one for you Ohio peeps. There's a really great one uh, in Lewisburg. I forget what it's called. It's like the Haunted Cave in uh, Lewisburg, Ohio, and it's my favorite haunted house I've ever been to because it's like a cave that literally goes underground. You're supposed to like go into hell and you see, I think you see like the devil and like you, you go through these tight black tunnels and it was a really, really creative haunted house. Probably the most creative one I've ever been to and they're closed, which is a fucking bummer, man. And half of it was outside. I mean, so you go into the cave, but even the cave is like, come on, man, we could have made it work, y'all. It's a holiday for masks. Cancel Christmas before you cancel Halloween. There's no masks in Christmas. Santa don't got a mask cancel that don't cancel fucking halloween so if you guys think something's going down for it let me know i think we may have a party or something like that but 2020 halloween is going to be different i would assume that most of you probably want me to shut the fuck up about world war ii because this ain't a history podcast and yeah but too fucking bad because this is austin's mini world so i want to talk about world war ii and that's what i'm gonna talk about 
because I've been listening to a podcast. It's called Supernova in the East, and it's all about World War II uh, leading up to it uh, from the Pacific side, so Japan and everything they got going on. So fascinating, dude. It's hardcore history. I 100% recommend you check out the podcast if you need something to listen to in the car. I'm not a history dude. I told you guys that like two episodes. I'm not a history buff. I don't give a shit about most of that kind of stuff, but for some reason, uh, World War II struck a chord with me, and I've just been really, really fascinated in learning how the world got that fucking chaotic and that crazy. And just imagine living in that time, uh, in that time frame. Like, imagine if they had cell phones back then and we could have just seen, like, you'd be seeing Twitter videos and Snapchats and all that shit of, of, like, life back then in the war. I just, man, that'd be so fucking wild, which is why, you know, I told you guys that color documentary, uh, really sparked my interest because it's just something about putting it into perspective where you can visualize yourself being in that time period. But there was a really crazy, and I'm not probably going to be. 100% factually correct uh, because I'm just learning about a lot of this stuff for the first time. But there, I think this was in the Philippines because there was a bunch of Philippine soldiers who got captured as well. But there was a surrender um, in a city called Bataan or a place called Bataan and the Japanese basically forced the Americans and uh, the Philippine soldiers, of which I think there was sixty to 70,000 people in this group. So just quantify that in your head how many fucking people had to surrender and how terrifying the concept of surrendering to the japanese was because the word around town was the japanese don't take prisoners so it's like if you get surrounded and you gotta surrender and you're looking around at your buddies everybody's putting down their gun and you're like guys did you forget like japanese don't take prisoners what do you do like imagine what's going on in your mind like do i resist right now and then they shoot me or stab me and then i die fairly a quick death or do i let do i surrender put my weapons down and let these guys capture me and then now we're at the mercy of their will and they're not very nice back then you know the the battles that were happening and then when they captured people they were not treating their prisoners well to say the least um and one of the worst instances that happened was called the baton uh death I think it was called the Bataan Death March. Yeah. And basically, they captured these 60,000 prisoners, right? And um, they forced them to march. I think it's something like 60 to 70 miles. Uh, mind you, these guys are malnutritioned as fuck. They've just been fighting for weeks. Um, probably sick from disease, tired, scared, no sleep, constantly getting strafed by Japan with, um, you know, m missiles and everything. Just they're bombing the shit out of this place, and then now they're attacking it you know, on foot, and they got all these 60,000 people to surrender, and now they got to march 60, 70 miles, and as you can imagine, it didn't turn out very well, I think like around 20 to 30,000, the number changes depending on, you know, who you're learning from, but somewhere between like 20 to 30,000 people did not make that march, and were murdered, and or just died on the way of exhaustion, starvation, beaten, beheaded, every terrible thing that you could possibly fucking imagine. And it was just really weird because they told a story about this one Japanese soldier who had jumped off a tank and he went over to a soldier that on the American side who he thought he recognized. And it turned out that these guys went to college together. They were in the same class together. And then there was another story of a Japanese soldier who bumped into an American that he had captured. And, you know, they turned, they didn't go to the same school, but they had graduated both from America. And uh, uh, the Japanese soldier had graduated from South Carolina University. And I forget where the American went. But they both graduated the same year. So it's like, it's just so fucking bizarre because, like, as the way the podcast described it, it's like you're caught in time. 
almost. It's like you're caught in the wheels of time. These individuals could could have been friends in any other walk of life and definitely wouldn't have hated each other, right? They're just people, wouldn't have hated each other. But because of all the propaganda and just the time that the world is at and the war that they're in, they just they're they're cogs in this machine and it just takes the individual person out of it and turns into this you know, you're part of this whole and so it's just crazy because those human moments still happen in that war where people recognize each other. You know, Japanese students that have been to America and came back had to fight in the war too. And so they're seeing people they recognized and those two soldiers hug and, you know, wish each other well and just like, wow, man, that fucking blew my mind. That Like even in the midst of that kind of chaos and the entire world's trying to kill each other, there's still those human moments. And like, I don't know, dude, that blew my mind. But the Bataan Death March, uh, interesting fucking thing. They said that the Japanese, you know, there's a general, I forget his name, but one of the American generals, got captured uh and was also on this death march and you know there's i forget what they call it but there's kind of like uh uh what would be the word there's kind of like an elegance to how you're supposed to treat prisoners right in in war there's kind of like rules of engagement and you're not supposed to just torture them they, they gave up they've already lost the battle they're not a threat at this point um and you know a lot of countries feel that it's your responsibility to in a way provide uh for these prisoners until you know a treaty is made and they're returned back to the population uh, the idea is not to just massacre. We're not barbarians. The idea is not to just massacre everybody who's not even putting up a fight. The Japanese did not necessarily agree with this. And um, there was a story of the general in the army, you know, who's walking, he's doing this death march, which, you know, likely if you got ca if a general got captured from another side, maybe the Germans, uh, your chance of being forced to maybe do the same things that these other soldiers were doing are less. And, uh, Regardless, these Japanese are forcing these guys to march, and the guy says, a soldier points out that he sees his general getting punched by this Japanese soldier who's so small that the Japanese soldier has to jump up to punch the general in the face. And they're beating him up, they're beating his ass, and they want to beat you up because the second that one of these soldiers would resist in any way, put your arms up, punch the Japanese soldier back, and the dude's way smaller than you, you're like, I could take this dude 100%. Um, they're just looking for any moment, an excuse to kill you, and uh, so you can't fight back. And so I just thought that was really crazy because. The, they came out with this fascinating statistic that said roughly, give or take, you had a 4% a chance of dying uh, in American uh, – being captured by the Americans. Um, if you were a German soldier or you know a Japanese soldier, you had a 4% chance of dying. That's pretty good freaking odds, right? I'll take that. 96% chance I'm getting out of this. That's not bad. Now, the Japanese, if you're an American soldier or Philippine soldier and you get caught by the Japanese, you had a 27% chance of being killed. And in my mind, that's still kind of relatively a low percentage considering the fact that you're caught by the enemy who has weapons and is angry and hates you. 27% is not the worst odds, but look at how, how disparagingly different that number is, 4% to 27%. So that kind of shows you how propaganda and culture can change you know in war it can change all kinds of things because there was just a different principle there's a different rule for them they didn't follow that same standard of you know be so kind to the prisoners uh, but i was just thinking in my head listening to that podcast like would i have surrendered or would i have just kept fighting and let them kind of shoot me or stab me which is shitty but it's a quick death versus are you going to take that risk of surrendering and pray that they don't torture you for weeks and then kill you of which that happened to probably hundreds of thousands of people maybe even millions of people so 
and you don't know that percentage, mind you. Back then, they didn't know this percentage yet. This is twenty, uh, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. So after the war, they find out that you got a twenty seven percent chance. But before, they don't know that. So you get captured. You got to basically decide: Do I give up and get killed, or I'm sorry, do I shoot back and get killed, or do I give up and hope these guys don't fucking torture me to death and I make it out of it? So, my God, Baton Death March, what the hell? I swear. I swear that this is my last winter in Ohio. I've been saying that for I don't even know how many years. But if we get through this election, this is kind of my commitment. If we get through this election, the world doesn't burn. America isn't turned into some dictatorship. Whatever the fuck, all the crazy possibilities that are in front of us for the next like 60, for the, for the rest of this year until things hopefully settle down. A lot of chaos could ensue. And if it doesn't, or if it does and we survive it all and everything, life goes back to normal, the virus dies down, life is starting to go back to how it was, I 100% have got to get out of Ohio. Only because I want to be a winter bird, and in all honesty, I'd love to stay in Ohio until like, you know, all the warm months and then leave come like November 1st. Yeah, I'd like to spend October, Halloween in Ohio because it's so beautiful with the fall. And then the second it hits November 1st, you know, live somewhere maybe like Florida, the Carolinas. My sister lives in Hawaii, so it'd be cool to live out there. But this has to be my last winter. I can't do it again. I already feel everyone else is saying like, oh my God, the fall weather is so nice. It's so amazing. It's like 65. For me, dude, I feel the cold coming in my bones. It's like some Game of Thrones winter is coming shit. I feel it coming and it just makes me so sad because already they said that I think we're losing an hour of sunlight here very shortly. So it's going to start be getting dark at like 6.30, 7 o'clock, pitch black, dark, uh, freezing cold. Everything dies. All the nature dies. So, man, October's a good month because you got Halloween. And if you're in the Midwest, you got the trees. And it looks very beautiful. And it is kind of mid-60s, you know, low 70s, which is nice. I'm not complaining. But the second it hits November, oh, my mood is going to change. Y'all are going to see my mood change in this podcast. I'm going to have to double up on my vitamin D because I think I was certainly deficient in vitamin D last year for the winter because I was not taking nearly the supplementation that I am now. So I don't know, man. I just want to complain. I want to complain about the winter and just hope that that changes, hope that changes it somehow because I'm so fucking sick of it. The Midwest, I don't know how you guys do it. Everybody who has lived there for 30, 40, 50 years and never even tried to move to another state. I at least lived in California for a little bit and I have to go somewhere warm dude i love the midwest i want the warm midwest that's what i want i want it to never get cold but ohio's cool with me i like the vibe I like the people I like the nature I like the towns like i just like everything but i don't fuck with the cold which is like five months out of the year so we survived this we survived 2020 austin is 100 percent going somewhere either tropical or at the very least that doesn't have winter closer to the equator is where i will go Alrighty, my friends, thank you so much for tuning in with me. I got to bounce because I got a lot to do today. I got a lot of stuff I'm working on, and I'm going to be going to the studio in the evening, which makes me very excited because I haven't been into the studio in, it feels like uh, three weeks, maybe even a month. It's been a hot minute since I've been in the studio, and uh, y'all know I got my three songs out. I'm really, really trying to get um, a lot more out before the end of the year because I have so many written. Uh, it's just an expensive process, but I'm dying not being in the studio, man. I want to put these songs out. I've got a good five that y'all have never heard before that I'm super excited about, um, you know, getting in the studio recording and putting them out. So that process 
begins tonight, and I got a lot of other errands and just shit to get to. I appreciate all uh, you guys for tuning in. It was a fun episode. I know we're talking a lot of politics and war and crazy shit, but dude, it's 2020. What do you want me to talk about? This world is in mayhem. It's in chaos. There's no, What do you want me to talk about? Boring-ass sports or something? Uh, speaking of sports, UFC, dude. UFC? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I do too much UFC talking here, so I'll save that for another episode. But um, quick plugs before I go. You guys know my social media, hopefully. If not, please go follow it. It's Austin Michael Music for everything. My TikTok, my YouTube, my Instagram, my Twitter, Austin Michael Music. Um, I'm most active on TikTok currently with my gaming videos. I got a lot of cool gaming shit that I think you guys should check out on there. And I just want to reach 1,000 followers. I'm at 900 and like fucking 30 something. I just want to hit 1,000 so I can go live on there. So help me do that. It's Austin Michael Music. Y'all know my music on Spotify, Google Play, all that shit. Go check it out. And uh, the biggest thing you can do to support me is to go subscribe to my YouTube. Go leave a like, leave a comment, share it. Let you know that support be public it helps uh other people you know find my shit that maybe never would have um had you not recommended it so thank you guys so much for tuning in i'm going to do some fan questions um next episode probably um i've been wanting to get around to that but i've just had a lot to talk about so we will do fan questions at some point um and other than that hope you guys have a good day and a good weekend here coming up tomorrow's friday so have a great weekend and i will have another episode to you hopefully by monday So love you guys, have a great week, and take it easy.